On this edition of the Not Stop BS Podcast, the final four matchups are upon us. A look at the two games, including analysis and best betting angles going into the final four teams left in the tournament. Then we look at the top five quarterbacks that will be drafted later this month in the NFL draft and give the best team fits for each of them. And finally, we will finish off with all of our best bets for the weekend in the NBA, college basketball, XFL, and NASCAR on this edition of Nonstop BS. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of Nonstop BS. My name is Cole Lynchide. Um, thank you guys for listening. Today on the podcast, we will be going over uh, the Final Four matchups, the two games that will be taking place on Saturday and uh, or in the college football or college football, college basketball tournament, March Madness. Um, two very intriguing matchups, not the biggest names, not the blue bloods that a lot of you guys were expecting, um, but they're really good matchups, and I'm really looking forward to these games. Um, and then we will start looking at the NFL draft, and what better way to start looking at the NFL draft than looking at the quarterbacks? I will take the, my, well, pretty much the consensus, but also my top five quarterbacks that will be drafted in the draft, um, the five that I believe could uh, possibly go in the first round, and I will kind of um, give you guys an overview of each of them and tell you guys who I think the best fit for each of them are. So we'll kind of discuss the quarterbacks um, and get you guys going on. Uh, if you haven't really discovered or watched any of the Combine or the Pro Days or anything like that, uh, get you up to speed on the NFL Draft by starting with the quarterbacks. We'll be doing a lot more draft content, obviously, this month, um, besides the NFL playoffs and... Um, besides besides the NFL playoffs, besides the NBA playoffs, my goodness, um, there's really not a lot going on besides the NFL draft, and it's a super fun time of year um, as the NFL draft is obviously a massive um, event in, in the sports world um, on, on the calendar. 
If you guys are not following me on Twitter, follow me at Lynchide Cole. Follow the podcast at Nonstop BS Pod. You can also follow me on the Action App at uh, Cole underscore Lynchide. Um, if you like to track and follow along with all of my bets that I place. Um, okay. So to get started today, like I said, we're going to start out with the March Madness Tournament. We are down to the Final Four. In the first game, uh, we have the 9-seed Florida Atlantic taking on the 5-seed San Diego State. Um, you know, I'm super excited about this game. It, it It's definitely not the teams that I expected. It's definitely ruined all... <laughs> I mean, this matchup right here alone has pretty much destroyed every single one of my really important futures that I had for this tournament. So, you know, it, it it's a little bittersweet, but at the same time, um, this matchup is really, really fun. And the reason is Florida Atlantic was one of the most difficult teams to predict going into the tournament. Um, they only have three losses on the whole season, which is really impressive, but they obviously don't play the, the toughest schedule and the toughest teams in their conference um, in the country. Uh, but FAU is one of the most frisky defensive teams in the tournament. Uh, even though they lack the size to really be elite, um, I mean, they, they pretty much play with four undersized guys who are just all over the place. They've been so good defensively. They were great against Memphis. Um, you know, they, they were great in, in pretty much every single one of their games. But I just, in particularly against Memphis in the second half, what they did defensively I thought was super impressive. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I picked Memphis to go to the Final Four. I still think if that game um, would have gone a slightly different way, uh, Memphis had a really good shot at, at making the same run that Florida Atlantic did uh, through this tournament. So, um, you know, I identified that as a tough game in the first as 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 the first matchup for Memphis. I thought either one of those teams were frisky eight and nine seeds, and uh, and it turned out to be exactly this way. But um, like I said, though, their defense in that game got a little bit off track there. But their defense in that game was so impressive with what they did at the end of the game um, against one of the the better offensive teams in the whole country in Memphis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's worked well for them to this point in the tournament, um, playing with kind of undersized and just a high-energy group on defense. It's it's kind of, it's really carried them through the tournament. San Diego State, on the other hand, is literally one of the best team defensive teams in the country. Um, San Diego State doesn't really excel on any area, specifically on offense, but their defense has been so excellent that they have been able to um, be streaky offensively and come back in bursts. Uh, I mean, you saw this against Alabama. Um, you saw this uh, in their last game as well. Um, so, so, I mean, San Diego State's a team that when they get down, especially if it's a low-scoring game, if their offense is not working perfectly, you know that their defense is going to keep them in it. Um, that's pretty much how they work through the whole season, and especially here through the tournament. That has been uh, the key to their success. Um you know, this is a really tough game to, to bet. The the San Diego the line is San Diego State's favored by two and a half to three, depending on where you look at it. It's two and a half in most books right now. Um, and that makes sense. I mean, like I said, San Diego State's defense has been m- way more consistent against higher level competition uh, throughout the whole season. Now, they don't play in the biggest conference either. I understand that. But at the same time, they've played a lot more ranked and a lot more um, better teams, teams that were in the tournament. And they they played really well against pretty much all of them throughout the whole season. So they've been super consistent. FAU is more of the unknown. Um, but at the same time, FAU has been a dominant unknown. Um, and, and what they've done through the tournament, I think, 
if they are able to match San Diego's defense um, in effort, which it's, like I said, that's been the key to their success going forward, uh, taking the points here with FAU is what I think I'm going to do. I'm not going to bet this one big, but, I mean, FAU, when I can get three points with them, they've kept a lot of these games close, too. Um, so, I mean, FAU is pretty much playing in close games and just being really relentless, and that's kind of both these teams. So, I think no matter who is the underdog in this game, especially if it's if if it's close like that, like a lower number like this, I'm probably going to lean, um, or if, if it's, you know, a bigger number like this, I was what I mean to say, where it's more than like a one to two point favorite, and I'm getting three with Florida Atlantic, I'm going to lean here Florida Atlantic plus three. Um, this isn't my favorite bet of these two games, but I, I am going to probably make a small wager on Florida Atlantic. I just think Florida Atlantic is a team that has just excelled in every way, and I think they've been underrated in every way in this whole tournament. Okay, so really excited about that game. Then after that, we have Miami taking on Connecticut, uh, the five-seed Miami taking on the four-seed Connecticut. Um, Listen, Miami has been elite offensively. Uh, with the likes of Isaiah Wong at point and their fantastic shooters and Nigel Pack and Wanga uh, Poplar. Um, their defense struggle has struggled all season, and that's led to them being underrated by sports books pretty much throughout the whole season. Um, but they and you saw that in a lot of the, their early game, their first game um, against a feisty Drake team, they were only two and a half point favorites. Um, and that's really rare for you to see a five seed against a um, uh, a five seed against a 12 seed being only a two and a half point favorite, uh, especially with one with as great of an offense as Miami. Um, but they've excelled offensively throughout the whole tournament. So, so much that they've been able to dig themselves out of any hole they found themselves in. They're another team that has um, gone down early and created some big holes throughout games in the tournament as they did through the whole season. Um, they've either been a team that gets down really quickly or they go out to a massive lead and nobody can catch up with them because their offense is so fantastic. Um, UConn, on the other hand, has been the most dominant team of the tournament to this point. Um, they're elite offensively and defensively. Jordan Hawkins, uh, Alex Carjan, and Tristan Newton's three-point shooting has put teams in a hole every single game against UConn to this point in the tournament. Um, and they still haven't allowed a team defensively um, they still haven't allowed a team to score 65 points in the tournament, or more than 65 points in the tournament to this point. Um, and that's including some of the elite offenses in the tournament in St. Mary's, uh, Arkansas, and Gonzaga. So what they did against Gonzaga, I think defensively, just kind of turned UConn on another level. They are right. They are rightly favorites over Miami. I know Miami has been fantastic. I know Miami slayed a lot of the best teams in the tournament to this point. Um, but at the same time, UConn is a five and a half point favorite right now. And I just think what UConn is doing on both sides of the ball, on both sides of the court, uh, I think UConn is by far the best team left in the tournament. And this line to me should be more like eight. Um, I, I like UConn here a lot. I'm going to bet them um, at least a full unit play on UConn minus five and a half. Um, and and I, I, I think it's just... UConn right now, I believe they are, and I haven't looked at this. I didn't look at futures yet because pretty much all my futures are out, and I'm kind of just accepting a loss <laughs> at this point on the the national title. I'll probably bet the title game, but um, not really looking to bet a future right now. Um, these teams have been just so unpredictable to this point. But I mean, UConn is the rightful favorite. I believe, like I said, that they like I was going to say that they're 
about plus 135, maybe 125. I don't know how much that's moved since I looked at it last. Um, but, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like I said, they've just been so dominant. And with the unpredictability of these teams um, left in the tournament, it makes a lot of sense that they're the favorite. Oh, they are now minus 125. So they've gotten bet quite a bit, um, it looks like, throughout the week, which, again, makes a lot of sense. And I, I think... Uh, yeah, honestly, if they were plus money, I guess that, that probably should mean that you should make a bet on them because, like I said, they've been just so dominant throughout the tournament. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I had one more thing right before I started spitting stuff out to you guys on the podcast. This is kind of a bad job bad job by me that I didn't um, double-check that I, that I had this right, but bear with me here a minute while I look up um, with the times of the games because I didn't give you guys... Yeah, okay, so it's 5 o'clock, um, 5 o'clock on Saturday... Um, is the FAU San Diego State, and then 7.30, 7.45-ish uh, is going to be the tip for Miami and UConn. Um, yeah, super excited about these games, and we'll see what we have for our national title game. Um, the national title game, I believe, is going to be on uh, Monday night, so um, looking forward to that, obviously, as well. Okay, moving on to the NFL draft and quarterback prospects and team fits in the NFL draft. So, um, for everyone that everyone obviously knows that the Carolina Panthers currently hold the first overall pick, the Chicago Bears traded that pick in a massive trade that we talked about on an earlier episode. Um, there's a lot of teams, and there's probably going to be a lot of movement to this point. There's a lot of teams at the top of the draft right now that need a quarterback. We also obviously know about the Lamar, um, you know, the Lamar Jackson possible trade that's going to be coming up and, and pending. Uh, most likely, we know that Aaron Rodgers is still yet to officially be traded to the Jets. We know that there's some more quarterback movement, not very much in free agency left, but there's more quarterback movement, and there could be more draft trades that could reshape how the draft looks right now. So this isn't all based on where my team fits are, obviously. this is The, the fits are more based on what I think would be the best situation for these quarterbacks to be in, what I think makes the most sense when you put this whole puzzle together for these quarterbacks to have success, what makes the most sense for these quarterbacks? So... Um, this doesn't, like I said, always. This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with draft positioning or where I think they will be drafted. I think teams can move and will move, as they always do, up and down in the draft to find the quarterback that they want. Um, and these are just what makes the most sense to me. However, these are going to be ordered in my rankings of these quarterbacks. So um, this is going to be kind of fun, and we'll go over each of them as we go. Okay, first of all, number one on the board. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. C.J. Stroud was in a fantastic system at Ohio State with excellent talent around him, but he also elevated the team around him in some of the biggest games that he played in, including the Rose Bowl in 2023 versus Utah, where he threw 37, of, where he completed 37 of 46 passes for 573 yards, six touchdowns, and an interception, uh, setting Rose Bowl records in that game. And then last year in his Peach Bowl game against um, Georgia before the national title game where he was 23 of 34 for 348 yards and four touchdowns including a couple just unbelievable clutch throws and drives at the end of the game um, to really get Ohio State right back in that game and, and give him a really good chance of winning it um, obviously that uh, was ruined by a missed field goal but um, you know CJ Stroud is somebody that in all of these big games that he played in and pretty much consistently in every game that he played in he was on point. He has elite decision making, is a great yet quiet leader, has a really strong arm, has great accuracy, 
has all the size you need to be a, a quarterback drafted high, along with mobility. Um, he reminds me a lot of Justin Herbert in college. That is, like to me, the perfect cop for C.J. Stroud. Um, I think he's going to be a absolute hit. I, I, I thought it was crazy with how small you know Bryce Young is and, and the, the other issues with these other quarterbacks that we're going to kind of go over and talk about. I thought it was crazy that C.J. Stroud opened as about a plus 250 to 300 um, bet to, to go first overall. Um, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense that the Panthers would make this move, even though that's not what being public, what's being publicized right now necessarily, that they made this move up to draft C.J. Stroud. That is what the rumors are. That is what the sportsbooks movement uh, showed, um, that a lot of people who have um, information are, are, are seeing and are hearing, I guess, at this point. Um, but that makes a lot of sense to me. And that's why my fit for C.J. Stroud is the Carolina Panthers. It's not only why. Um, Stroud's my favorite quarterback in the draft, and I think he'd be a fantastic fit for the Panthers first overall. Combining him with Frank Reich and a strong base of offensive talent, including DJ Chark, Terrence Marshall, Adam Thielen, LaVisca Chennault, and Miles Sanders, along with a budding offensive line that includes stud left tackle Akeem Aquanu, I think Stroud would be fantastic for the Panthers. Um, when you fit him, like I said, with Frank Reich, uh, Reich's done a lot of really impressive things with multiple different quarterbacks with his time in, in Philadelphia and what he did with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. And then moving on to, to Indianapolis and kind of getting the most, I thought, out of a lot of different quarterbacks that they threw at him in Indianapolis. I think Frank Reich's a, Frank Reich's a really good coach. Um, and I think that you know him and C.J. Stroud would make a very good duo in a weak division. And um, I think the Panthers, like I said, they're more talented team than most people think. Adding DJ Chark was a massive piece for them. It gives them someone that can stretch the field. LaVisca Chenault's kind of a gadget player that was never used correctly in Jacksonville and showed some potential last year uh, after being traded to the Panthers. And Adam Thielen still has some gas in the tank in the in the right role. Um, I think that this group of of play of you know skill position players at Carolina are not the most elite, but man, they're it's also not as bear as a lot of people are making the Panthers out to be so and I think their offensive line is a lot better than most people act either like I said Aquanu was fantastic last year Taylor McTone is a really good right tackle um, and they've got a pretty good interior as well so they've got some talent on defense I, I think Stroud would be a great fit for the Panthers and I think the Panthers made this aggressive move because they know they have a pretty talented team and they need to get the right person at quarterback finally which they haven't had since the, like I said, Cam Newton days. Um, they they need to find that quarterback again and be aggressive in doing that to get this franchise on the right track because they've done a lot of good things outside of that uh, to this point over the last uh, five years. Okay, my next quarterback is, and this one, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I'm not I'm not going too off track here. It's Bryce Young. Young was the most decorated of all of these players in college at Alabama including a national title, a Heisman Trophy, and elite statistics in his time at Alabama. Young lacks size, um, which everybody obviously knows about, but has all the intangibles that you look for in quarterbacks who go first overall. Uh, health and longevity is the biggest question about him as a prospect. Um, you know, I think that I think Bryce Young is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I think a lot of these quarterbacks that don't have that are that are under six foot and and you know Bryce Young weighs basically sub two hundred pounds. 
Uh, he'll probably put some weight on, I'm assuming. You know, he's still a really young guy. Um, and usually a lot of these guys put a, put a decent amount of weight on when they get into the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson was another one who was um, talked about as being, you know, not weighing enough to be as physical of a runner as he was in college when he got to the NFL. Well, he put on about 20, 30 pounds in his first two years in the league, and obviously everyone knows how that turned out. Um, you know, I, I think that Bryce Young is so talented that he's going to be one of these undersized guys that's able to, able to overcome it. But I also get why teams are worried. Um, but anyways, all that's kind of dis or doesn't have anything to do with what I think his best fit is, and that is the Houston Texans. Someone who was as beloved and led in such a professional manner at a young age like Bryce Young did um, would be a great way to continue the much-needed culture change for the Texans. Uh, Young would be given one of the most creative young coaches in the NFL in D'Amico Ryans, and it's hard for me to picture a team building around Bryce Young and D'Amico Ryans that doesn't endure long-term success. Um, The Texans have done a lot of good things this offseason. I I truly believe. I think they need to add more skill position players. They have a really good young running back. They've done a lot of good things along the offensive line. They've done a lot of good things on defense, especially. Um, They obviously are are set up at second overall to draft one of these two quarterbacks. Um, I think that they have not been aggressive and were not aggressive with trading with the Bears. One, because the Bears obviously couldn't get as good of a trade package from the Texans because it's only moving a spot. But also... I think the Texans understand that both these quarterbacks are straight-up elite, and they both are great in every way, and I think that they um, are are excited to get basically either one of these two in the building. Um, But putting Bryce Young there, that would be such a good um, movement in the right direction for a, a franchise that really needs that. Okay, on to my next one. And my next one may surprise a little bit. It's a little bit... A little bit against the grain, especially as of late, as this player's kind of been trending down. And that is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Uh, Levis has elite arm strength. He has really good size. He's a big guy, 6'4", 230 pounds. He has good athleticism. Levis has all the tools looked for by teams in a quarterback. But consistency and decision-making is where he needs to improve. A lot of college experience starting every game over the last two seasons for Kentucky and had some playing time in his first in his first two seasons there as well. Um, Levis is a guy that's going to need a little bit more, uh, tutoring, a little more mentoring. He, he may, he may be somebody who sits behind a quarterback. Um, I don't necessarily think he needs that. I think he's a, like I said, an experienced guy. Um, but at the same time, his decision-making and his consistency, as I said, were his issues at Kentucky. And over his last season at Kentucky, he had stretches where he was not accurate um, and, and where games kind of got away from him. So um, somebody a little bit raw who has really, really excellent talent, I think this would be a great fit for the Baltimore Ravens if they end up moving on from Lamar. If the Ravens end up training Lamar as we expect, Levis would be in an ideal situation to enter a prof- professional environment with one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. Someone like Levis, would ha- uh, someone like Levis who has so many attributes and just needs a little polishing would be a fantastic fit for the Ravens in their next chapter. Um, yeah, the the Ravens have done such a good job over the John Harbaugh tenure of building around whoever they have, and that that I think that you know moving on from Lamar Jackson is going to be massive. They've built a whole team around Lamar Jackson. He has a really unique playing style. 
Um, but the Ravens still have pieces. They still have really good players. When you talk about J.K. Dobbins, you talk about Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, um, a good offensive line. They've lost a lot on defense, but when you talk about this offense specifically for Will Levis, he would go to a situation that I think with the mentoring from the coaching staff, um, somebody like Will Levis is going to be elevated really, really quickly. I think this would be a dream situation for any of these rookie quarterbacks to go to, but when you're looking at somebody who has all the tools and just needs a little bit of that, that should be really enticing for the Ravens, especially if, like we said has been kind of uh, hinted at, the Colts are interested in Lamar Jackson and the Ravens end up being able to acquire that fourth overall pick in the Lamar Jackson trade, they'd be in a really good spot to, to draft Will Levis. Um, okay, my fourth quarterback is Hendon Hooker. Uh, at age 25 and coming off an ACL injury, Hooker has baggage for whoever drafts him. Uh, Hooker has great athleticism and outside-of-the-pocket passing ability, but lacks the accuracy inside the pocket to be an elite pocket passer. Um, Hooker's a unique player. You you don't get a lot of quarterbacks that come in over the age of 25 um, into, into the NFL draft, but he was excellent at Tennessee. And a lot of the criticism with him is that he... They don't. People don't know if he's going to be the same player. If he's going to be able to um, show off the same uh, dominant playing style that he did at Tennessee, if he's not in that offense, because it is a very unique offense that they ran in Tennessee. Um, so I think Hooker needs to go somewhere where he has a really good play caller, a play designer, offensive designer, um, and that place to me that makes a lot of sense is the Atlanta Falcons. Head coach, Archer, Archer, uh, head coach Arthur Smith <laughs> is one of the most creative play callers in the NFL and has built offenses around all different styles of quarterbacks. Hooker would benefit from having two elite big-bodied pass catchers in Kyle Pitts and Drake London to give Atlanta an exciting group of players um, on offense to build around going forward. Um, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think that the Falcons... Uh, need to bring somebody else into the quarterback room other than Desmond Ritter. Um, and I think that Arthur Smith is finally ready as he's, you know, they've they've spent quite a bit of money, uh, Atlanta has, in free agency, bringing in pieces on defense. They've brought back um, some key offensive linemen that were going to be free agents. They're really getting to a place now where they're gonna getting ready to start to, to be able to start competing, and especially in this division where there's a lot of uncertainty, as we've talked about, with the Saints, Buccaneers losing Tom Brady, and the Panthers, who are still a question mark, as we talked about. I think it makes a lot of sense to be aggressive and get a guy, and a guy like Hendon Hooker, who has, I think, a lot of boomer bust potential, which is just the same as the next guy we're going to talk about, but a guy like Hendon Hooker who has boomer bust potential, but is also somebody who has shown a lot of elements of being able to um, be a pocket passer with some polishing in the right offense. I think that's somebody that's really enticing for Arthur Smith. Um, and you know, honestly, Hendon Hooker kind of his play style kind of reminds me of Ryan Tannehill, especially early on in his career. And you saw what Arthur Smith did with Ryan Tannehill when he went to the Titans, um, kind of rejuvenated his career and turned him into, you know, a, a perennial starting quarterback. That was something that Tannehill wasn't necessarily at the Dolphins and was kind of. Uh, cast it off when he was ended up when he ended up being traded to the Titans. So, um, yeah, I think Arthur Smith would be a really good fit with Hendon Hooker, and the Falcons would be a good team for Hendon Hooker to go for uh, to elevate him and get uh, help him kind of hit his ceiling. 
Uh, and then my last quarterback on the board, who is a lot higher on a lot of people's boards, but I am not as high as as them. I think he's a, a late first to early second round pick. He'll probably go in the first round, but it's Anthony Richardson. Richardson has insane an insane size and speed combination, but it is simply not accurate enough to be able to be consistent at the NFL level. He's a project quarterback and is the most exciting and unique player in the NFL draft, flat out. Massive boomer bust potential. You know, a lot of people compare him to Cam Newton. I think he's Cam Newton, but faster. He's not Lamar Jackson, but man, is he close to as fast as Lamar Jackson is when you're just talking about straight line speed. Um, And he's a lot bigger than Lamar Jackson is as well. But the question is, is he going to be able to use that the same way that Lamar Jackson has to elevate his passing game, um, to become more of an accurate passer, to open up passing lanes. It's going to be, again, a really, it's going to be really important for a player like Anthony Richardson to find himself the right home. Not that he can control it, but at the same time, if he wants to excel in the NFL, I think he's going to have to be in an offense that fits him really well. And I think there is one that needs a quarterback right now or at least they will going forward, and that is the Detroit Lions. Richardson would be able to sit for multiple years behind Jared Goff. Dan Campbell's team is built around an elite offensive line and running game, which would help assist Richardson in opening up passing lanes downfield. This is very similar to what the Ravens did with with Lamar Jackson early on in his career. They had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They had one of the best running games in the NFL with a combination of Mark Edwards Mar- or Mark Ingram combined to Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, um, and they just ran the ball down people's throats. And Lamar was a factor in that, and then that eventually helps open up passing lanes downfield. You get you draw enough linebackers and enough defenders up into the box, and that is why Lamar Jackson is able to be um, such an elite passer and runner. His running. And his elite, his elite running opens up a lot in the passing game for him. Um, that's really similar to what Richardson's going to be at his ceiling. Uh, Detroit has the exact type of offense and roster that Richardson would have a chance of hitting its ceiling with. Um, you've, you've got wide receivers like Jamison Williams, who's who's a massive deep threat. Richardson has a, a, a big arm. His accuracy is his issue. But someone like Jamison Williams, who's a really good ball tracker, has amazing speed. Um, that'd be a really important piece for Richardson as well. Uh, and then obviously I'm in Ross St. Brown, who can basically get open anywhere on the field. So, you know, Detroit has so many pieces. DeAndre Swift, they they bring in um, David Montgomery. Um, so many people, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So many pieces on offense, and he wouldn't have to play right away. I think this would be such an intriguing fit. I think it makes so much sense. And I think if Richardson begins to slide, I would not... I would not uh, be surprised in the slightest if I saw the Lions try to move up and, and draft Anthony Richardson. Everybody likes Jared Goff. Jared Goff's a fine quarterback. But if you can try to identify somebody who can take this line, this Detroit team to another level on offense, I mean, I mean, like I said, it has Ravens, early Lamar Ravens vibe written all over it. I think it makes the most sense. And I think this is one of the only places where I would really like to see Anthony Richardson go where I think he'll be where I think he has a good chance of being successful okay I'm going to take a quick break here and we will be back with our best bets heading into the weekend here on nonstop bs 
All right, so our best bets to finish off for the weekend. So we already went over the college basketball bets earlier in the episode. Um, in the NBA, so I am recording this uh, on Thursday night. I'm going on a trip this weekend up to Minnesota. Um, so I will not be able to record this, obviously, my normal time on Friday night. Um, so NBA lines are not opened up yet for Saturday and for Sunday. Um, so I can't really give you guys any best bets for the NBA. But like I've told you before and like I said earlier in the episode, follow me on Twitter and on the Action app. Um, I'll be putting all my bets on there throughout the weekend. So make sure you're following me there if you want or if you listen to the end of these episodes for the NBA bets. Um, but I do have one bet for for the XFL this weekend, and I have four bets for the NASCAR race at Richmond this weekend. So, starting off with the XFL, the Battle Hawks on Sunday afternoon take on the Houston Roughnecks. Haven't been betting a lot of XFL lately, but you're starting to figure out what these teams actually are, uh, which is really important to making good bets, obviously. And the Battlehawks are a team are a really, really good team. The Battlehawks defense has been straight up dominant against anyone besides the DC defenders this year. Um, in their other four games, they've they have let up 18, 15, 11, and six points uh, in those four games. The Battlehawks are the most disrespected team in the XFL market right now, in my opinion, and I love them catching points against pretty much anyone except for the DC defenders. The DC defenders have just been just been dominant. Um, and they've dominated the Battlehawks. So um, the Battlehawks in this game against the Roughnecks. Roughnecks also a very good team. Defenders and Roughnecks are the two favorites right now for uh, for the XFL championship. Um, and the Battlehawks are plus 550 behind them, um, third in line. The Battlehawks are plus three in this game. Um, you can get them at plus three, minus 110. Uh, I just don't understand how you cannot take the Battlehawks getting points. Their defense, like I said, has been so dominant. They've played in so many close games. Um, catching three points here for the Battlehawks. I think this game's this line's probably going to move to two and a half or two. Um, and getting full three, you know, all the funky stuff that's happened in these XFL games. Um, three points is a lot <laughs> for teams that are very close. There's been a lot of really close games in the XFL. And with a, the best defense, in my opinion, in the XFL with the Battlehawks, um, I'm going to take them plus three any day against the Roughnecks. Um, so I like that bet a lot. I'll be doing a full unit on that. And then moving on to the Toyota's owner, Toyota owners 400 at Richmond this weekend. Um, you know, NASCAR has been tough lately. It's been really tough, <laughs> but I love betting NASCAR and I did really good at it last year. So we're going to keep going here and hopefully you guys continue to, to follow along with my picks and, and, uh, hear me out here. Richmond's typically a race where a lot of the favorites win. It's not really a race with a lot of variance. It's not a race with a lot of the, you know, the 50 to ones and higher where they're, they're running in the top 10 by the end. So we're going to go with more, um, more of the better drivers, I guess, for this race. Um, and some drivers that are kind of being disrespected for how good they've been at Richmond before. So I have three outright plays for you right now. The first one is Ryan Blaney at 20 to 1. Ryan Blaney led over 150 laps here last year. And, you know, Blaney Blaney struggled to get a he obviously didn't get a win last year. He was the best driver in NASCAR by a long shot um, that didn't end up winning a race last year. And he's always been very successful at Richmond. 
I can't for the life of me figure out why right now he's 20 to 1. Blaney's typically somebody who qualifies really well too, so I see this number shortening a lot before the race, and obviously that's going to shift some other numbers around as well. So, you know, taking a 20 to 1 on Ryan Blaney pretty much any day, um, you know, he's, he's driven well this year again. I think he's budding and due for a win. And, and like I said, Richmond's been one of his best tracks. He hasn't won here, but it's been one of his best tracks to where he has led a lot of laps. He's ran in the top 10 pretty much consistently, finished in the top 10 pretty mu- pretty consistently. Um, and, and I just think a 20 to 1 on him going into Richmond is a pretty ridiculous line. Also, Ross Chastain, 18 to 1. Chastain also led 80 laps here last year in the fall. Uh, um, and, you know, 18 to 1 on Ross Chastain, the way that this guy drives, the way that he, I mean, if you guys watched Coda last weekend, I mean, he, he, he just drives from the back of the field after being spun out earlier in the race, having some pretty serious damage on his back right, uh, back right fender, and he still continues to just battle and battle and battle on restarts. He's fantastic. Um, his pit crew has been fantastic outside of this last week where they pretty much screwed him at the end of the race, um, on that last green, white checkered or the first green, white checkered it was. Um, but besides that, I mean, Ross Chastain is one of the most aggressive and always there at the last minute drivers, him being 18 to one at any track, let alone a track that he was pretty successful at last year, not really in his finishes, but in, in, in the race throughout the race, he was pretty successful at Richmond. Um, I just think that's also a pretty ridiculous number and that'll probably fall to about 16 to 15 to one is my prediction before the race. So I'm definitely, I'm going to put a half unit on Blaney, a half unit on Chastain, and I'm also going to put a full unit on Martin Truex Jr. at 10 to one. Now this one, you got to price shop a little bit. There's some eight to ones out there, nine to ones and, and some 10 to ones. Truex has always ran super well at not only Richmond, but all short tracks. Um, this is kind of Truex's forte. Um, Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, um, you know, New Hampshire. Those have all been some of the best tracks for Martin Truex Jr. He's won here, uh, one time over the last two years in the last four races they've ran here. Um, and he finishes in the top 10 consistently and in the top five very often. A 10 to one on Truex, there's, I believe, seven drivers who are, uh, have lower odds, right? Have shorter odds right now than Martin Truex Jr. So a 10 to 1 for him at Richmond, that's a pretty steep price. I love Truex in this race. He's another guy who hasn't won a race in over a year. Um and and, and he's been right there, man. He's been right there. He's been driving really, really good. Uh he won the clash, so not that, that counts, but he won the clash. Um he, he's been he's been pretty consistently good this year. And a guy another guy that I think is being his price is a little bit long because he has not won a race in so long. And those are the, that's the best time to jump on these guys, especially at tracks that they have dominated at in the past. So uh, love Martin Truex Jr. for a whole unit at 10 to 1. And then I have one matchup for you guys that's already been posted on a sports book. Um, and it's Ross Chastain uh, over Tyler Reddick. Reddick coming off of a dominant win at Coda. And Tyler Reddick is just, he's a really good driver, but he is a fantastic road course driver. He now has three of his four wins in the Cup Series on road courses, um, and he won two of them last year, and then obviously his first win this year is on a road course as well. Um, I think the reason Tyler Reddick is getting a lot of 
I mean, his odds right now, he's plus, uh, he, he's 18 to 1, just like Ross Chastain. Shorter odds at some books than Ryan Blaney. Uh, comparable with, with Joey Logano and Alex Bowman right now. I just don't think that makes much sense. Tyler Reddick's never had very much success at Richmond. Um, and, and, and guys like Ross Chastain, um, the guys I just mentioned, Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, uh, even Brad Kozlowski have had way more success than he has um, at Richmond and, and more consistent success for sure. Um, Reddick has struggled, honestly, this year, um, besides at the road course last week at, at Coda. Um, and, and, and so I, I just don't think he, just because he, he was so dominant at the road course, I mean, that's a specialty. The, the the dude you if you watch the race last week he he is one of the most elite road course racers there is in any sport it, it just flat out Tyler Reddick is special when it comes to road courses that does not translate at all into what's happened the rest of the season at, at the at the other at all of the other you know mile and a half tracks that we've we've ran at so far um I I, I see Ross Chastain as being somebody who should have way shorter odds than Tyler Reddick and when I'm getting plus 115 huh, against Tyler Reddick for Ross Chastain, I'm going to take that all day. Two units on Ross Chastain, plus 115 over Tyler Reddick. Okay, I'm going to post on Saturday uh, another competition. All you guys have to do, it's for the race at Richmond. Um, all you guys have to do is comment your outright winner for the race, retweet um, the post on on, non- on at nonstopbs on Twitter, um, and send me DM me proof of subscribing and uh, uh, reviewing the podcast. You do all three of those things, and you get the correct outright winner. You're the first person, first person. That's key to comment the outright winner of the race. You're gonna win the the prize of my money that's posted in the post. So make sure you guys are looking out for those. Um, it's been really fun. We've had a few participants, but I would love to get more. So please participate. Uh, and it's free. It's easy. All you gotta do is follow along to the podcast and pick an outright winner, and you can win free money. So, would love if more people um, started to take part in that and and enjoyed that. So, okay, thank you guys for listening again to another episode of Nonstop BS. Hopefully, you guys enjoy another fun-filled weekend in sports. We've got basketball. Heck, the MLB season opening day was on on Thursday here today. So, uh, yeah baseball basketball nascar tons of different sports going on right now xfl football um so much going on so much fun uh and yeah that's what we love here at nonstop bs so thanks for listening again and have a great weekend we will see you on wednesday morning personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and